You're listening to a Share Radio podcast. What say you, Master? Oh, look how thou stirrest now. Come away. Faith, Master. I'm thinking of the poor men that were cast away before us even now. Oh, alas, poor souls. It grieved my heart to hear what pitiful cries they made to us to help them when, oh, well a day, we could scarce help ourselves. Nay, Master. Said not as much when we saw the paupers how they bounced and tumbled. They say they're half fish, half flesh. Master, I wonder how the fishes live in the sea. Oh, why, as men do on land. The great ones eat up the little ones. You know, I can compare our rich misers to nothing so fitly as to a whale. He plays and tumbles, driving the poor fry before him, and at last devours them all at a mouthful. Yeah, such whales have I heard of on the land who never leave gaping till they've swallowed the old parish, church, steeple, bells and all. <laughs> but, Master, if I'd been the sexton, I should have been that day in the belfry. <laughs> Why, man? Because he should have swallowed me too. And when I'd been in his belly, I would have kept such a jangling of the bells that he should never have left until he cast bells, steeple, church and parish up again. But if the good King Simonides were of my mind, we would purge the land of these drones that rob the bee of her honey. Hello, I'm David Ricardo Pierce, and you're listening to Share Drama on Share Radio. Oh, for a muse of fire! We just heard a scene from Pericles, Prince of Tyre, um, the, the fisherman uh, gazing out at uh, the shipwreck of Pericles' ship, performed by myself and the actor Marianne Oldham. I have Marianne in the studio with me today. Hi, Marianne. Hello. We actually uh, go back quite a long way. We, we trained together at drama school, at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School, many years ago. We actually did our, our fight test together. We did, um, and I beat you. You did, you won. You, you got gold, I got silver. We're not going to go on about that here. <laughs> Um, so, um, fond memories of Bristol, Vic? Yeah, um, very fond memories of Bristol. Of course, I had no idea, really, what I was getting myself into in terms of the business. I'm right in thinking you, you've spent quite a long time in the theatre, gradually working your way up, becoming a, a, an award-winning actress, is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, uh, award-nominated. Did I actually win? I did win an award in South Africa. The N- Naledi the Award. Naledi Awards. Naledi Awards. Um, best that was very And fun. that was for The Girl in the Yellow Dress. Yep. And that was a play that I missed but have read since. Um, very intense mm. play about a, a, a young um, English woman and a... And a um, French a, student. A French student. Who wanted to learn. A French Congolese student mm. uh, who, who wanted to learn English set in Paris. It sort of, you know, it was just about their relationship and then their relationship being a sort of symbol of the whole world, <laughs> right? As it were, um, and that was. So, um, yeah. I, I've heard you speak a lot, quite a lot about that production as as being one of your favourite times, especially performing in South Africa. What was the difference? I mean, in very basic terms, of performing to a South African audience and performing to a British audience. Well, in fact, really, um, quite quite a marked difference. I mean, it's one of the things I really loved about being out there because. We were at the Market Theatre, which is the main theatre in Johannesburg, and okay. it was also um, the first place where black and white people were allowed to integrate um, at the market. So it had this amazing history, and you sort of really felt it then, how vital that place was. But also, before you came on stage, you really felt that the whole audience was ready to have a conversation. They were sort of on the edge of their seats, forward in their seats, looking forward to the conversation they were about to have. 
Um, I say conversation in a sort of metaphorical way, although sometimes it was literal and people would be like, oh, I know what you know, and literally oh, they're, they're talk back. saying, talking back <laughs> to our lines. And that was quite amazing, though, because you sort of you have to be with them in the room and doing the show that you're doing. And I do think that we miss out. We miss that a lot in in the UK. We sort of expect to go to the theatre and sit back and just sort yes. of actually judge what we're seeing. Yeah. The history of their theatre is a lot more about um, presenting an idea or a, an opinion, a political view. So it's much more um, engaged, engaged in, 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 with the audience. Yeah. So, Marion, um, I, I do this thing once a week. Mm. Um, I test my guests' knowledge of a little piece of financial jargon, see how Ooh, up okay. to date they are with uh, with financial know-how. So the phrase for you is P-E ratio. What do you make of the uh, what the phrase P-E ratio? Um, <laughs> physical education. <laughs> so what's ratio? Ratio stands for the amount of P-E in your school timetable. <laughs> so you think um, that, the, that the financial world has a, has a phrase <laughs> for just... P-E classes at school? That's obviously, that's not... That's no, that's not what it is. OK, hang on, let me have another go. Yeah, I'm afraid um, you're out of time. Um, so the P-E ratio is the price to earnings ratio. Um, it's a way of gauging whether a company's share price is cheap or expensive compared to similar companies in the same sector. That's P ratio. I'm afraid you didn't get that right. No, very good. We're going to go and uh, have a listen to what the general public made of a little piece of Shakespearean jargon. I'm here with John. Hello, John. Hello, David. Hello. So I am testing uh, people's knowledge of Shakespearean jargon, and the word I have for you is cousin. C-O-Z-E-N. Um, it means to dupe, doesn't it? Cousin. Yes. It absolutely does. Good knowledge. So um, that's a zero for the actors. A one for the uh, public means that the, the public is, is leading us as actors uh, four to one. Um, we need we need a, quite a good surge at some point soon. I might try to make that a bit easier for us. Recently, you, you've you've um, moved more into the uh, the television film world. Um, yeah. The, what was your the sort of big break? Was was uh, the Crimson Field? Crimson um, Field, which um, was out in May sometime, that's followed right. the. Um, the lives of the VADs, basically, um, the the volunteer nurses during the First World War. Yeah, it was really cool to film. We had a great team. And what was your what was your character? And she was called Rosalie. She was quite shy, and usually quite grumpy. Right. <laughs> and and um, that was uh, quite a, you know obviously there's been a lot of World War One um, dramas and, and things coming out this year, mm. but that was definitely quite quite an interesting one from my point of view. It was focusing on the women in the war. Yeah, that's um, right. More, more than just a sort of a band of brothers esque. Um, I know. It was very sadly, we didn't get um, recommissioned for another series. No. But um, because, and it was sad because it was really a, a very female strong cast, and I think um, I think it was really about you know the team was a really good team and mm. I think they could have taken it to a really good place in the second season. So, But I think even, even as a standalone one-off, it, it had, it had a, in lo- yeah, enormous amount of merits. I mean, Hermione Norris was in it, Suran mm. Jones, Una Chaplin, mm-hmm. um, some cracking yourself, obviously. Um, <laughs> and and, and they, they, they sort of recreated the field hospitals um, of, of France in, what, in a field in Wiltshire or something? Yeah, um, we were in a very muddy field in Wiltshire. We went from being glorious sunshine to it raining every day and being <laughs> freezing cold. And I literally had to be painted orange <laughs> because I'd gone so badly purple. Painted orange, orange because... To um, cancel out the purple. 
Right. Because I'd gone so blue. Yeah. That's interesting. Orange cancels out purple, makes skin. Apparently. Skin interesting. Yeah, you learn something every day. Yeah. That was uh, your first big TV break. And since then, what you've you've been filming The Musketeers recently? Yeah, I played a very different part in season two of The Musketeers. It's out in January. Terry Jones film, Absolutely Anything. Yeah, that's out in April. Where you played Kate Beckinsale's best friend? Yeah, that's right. And Simon Pegg's in it? Simon Pegg's in it too. Was yeah. that fun working with those guys? Yeah, it was great. I didn't see very much of Simon because um, I was just doing scenes with Kate. But the whole thing was really great. Terry Jones is, it was brilliant to work with. And um, it was a real eye-opener into film as well. So that was really, really exciting. I met Terry Jones once, um, and uh, what I didn't realise about him is he is one of the world's foremost Chaucer scholars. Oh. He is an absolute... He actually wrote a, a book about Chaucer that I studied at university. Anyway, that's, that's, that's by the by. That's we're obviously we're here today talking about Shakespeare, talking about uh, Shakespeare's very, very rarely performed play. Some people don't, don't even think Shakespeare wrote some of it. Oh, um, yeah. Pericles, Prince of Tyre. Yeah, they think he sort of came in halfway through and wrote the end of it, but that somebody, some, some collaborators wrote the first chunk. Oh, right. Um, well, it would make it... It is quite a confusing plot. Yeah, well, I'm lucky you said that, Marianne, because I'm about mm. to um, do a quick synopsis for any listeners out there who have no idea what Pericles <laughs> is about. I'm going to do a quick uh, synopsis of Pericles. I'm going to do it in a minute. Um, so Amelia will give me the three, two, one, and I'll go. Three, two, one, go. So King Antiochus and his daughter are in this sort of weird incestuous relationship. Antiochus has made up this game for suitors. Basically, they have to answer a riddle or die. Pericles gets the riddle but finds out about the incest. He flees back to Tyre. Antiochus sends an assassin after him. Back in Tyre, Pericles' mate, Helicanus, he tells him just to go travelling for a while until Antiochus isn't after him anymore. So Pericles goes to Tarsus, where King Cleon and his wife Dionysa bemoan the famine that has beset their nation. Pericles arrives with corn and saves them, but soon a letter from Helicanus calls Pericles back to Tyre, so he sets off. On the way home, Pericles is shipwrecked, and ends up in Pentapolis. He finds out about a jousting contest where you win a wife, this girl called Thaisa. Pericles enters the contest and wins. He marries Thaisa. Meanwhile, Antiochus and his daughter have been burnt to death by fire from heaven, so Pericles can go home. He gets back on his boat. There's this massive storm. Thaisa dies in childbirth. They throw the body overboard. She's actually not dead. Um, Pericles lands in Tarsus, gives his child Marina Ten, to Cleon and Dionysa. Nine, um, loads of time passes. Eight, he's king of Tyre. He seven, then goes to find Marina, but six, she's been sent away because Dionysus didn't like her anymore. Four, um, he, three, he goes to, uh, two, to somewhere else. Ephesus uh, one, finds his daughter stop. and finds his Life. Oh, <laughs> out that. well, I missed out an awful lot of the um, of, of the play there, but that I mean, that's very get, impressive. You get the idea, and um, basically, it's an awfully um, convoluted plot. Um, they, 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 they go, uh, they go travelling off. I mean, Pericles basically can't. He must visit about seventeen different islands. He must go back and forth. Yeah, it must be about two different shipwrecks. It's it a chaotic rem- plot, isn't it, it? Yeah, it reminds me a bit of the Odyssey actually, because you know he's always on a ship and he's always getting shipwrecked and ended up on some yeah. other island. It is very Odyssey-like, actually. Yeah, yeah that's, although that's... you know, about when we did the play, somebody said to me afterwards, they're like, "It's it's almost." About Marina, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, it could have been called Marina, but I think Pericles Almost about just, Marina. just yeah. pips the... But she doesn't come into it for hours. Until the um, second half, yeah. <laughs> so um, before we talk any more about, about you or about uh, your production of Pericles, um, we're just going to go and uh, hear what Amelia makes of um, playing Pericles himself. I'm back down in South London uh, chatting with Amelia. Hello, Amelia. Hello. So today we're talking about the Shakespeare play Pericles, Prince of Tyre. What do you know about Pericles, Prince of Tyre? Um, I think it's about a man who thinks his daughter's dead, but then he finds her. 
That's exactly what it's about. He's he's running away from stuff. He's running to stuff. He loses his wife. He loses his daughter. Travels all over the world. Spans about forty years. Have you ever been travelling yourself? I have. I went on a school trip to the Isle of Wight on an adventure kind of holiday. Okay. What did you get up to there? Well, we went on a lot of scary, big swings and um, this thing called the lucky jump or something. You jump off this very tall podium and try and catch onto this kind of rod in the air. And if you don't, then you just kind of go down. But you're on a you're on a like harness. And oh, you're on a harness. Yes. <laughs> right. So if you're unlucky, you do just bounce yeah. up. That does sound quite scary. How was that when you were away on your own in the Isle of Wight with your friends? That was good, but I did get a bit homesick sometimes. Yeah. And I couldn't get to sleep some nights. Well, imagine Pericles. He's been away for years and years and years. He's not only been away, but he's also lost his wife and lost his daughter. Imagine how homesick he feels, and imagine the relief. And the amazement when he finds a woman who he thinks is his daughter. Okay. And he says to his friend Helicanus, Wow. Oh, Helicanus, strike me, honoured sir. Give me a gash, put me to present pain. Lest this great sea of joys rushing upon me, o'er bear the shores of my mortality, and drown me with their sweetness. O come hither, thou that begettest him that did thee beget. Thou that wast born at sea, buried at Tarsus, and found at sea again, O Helicanus, down on thy knees, thank thy holy gods as loud as thunder threatens us. This is Marina. What was thy mother's name? Tell me but that, for truth can never be confirmed enough, though doubts did ever sleep. Very good. Um, that, so, yeah, he's saying to Helicanus, hit me, you know, make, am I awake? I'm, how did that feel, reading that? Yeah, it felt very emotional. emotional yeah. yeah, it's quite an emotional moment. He hasn't spoken for three months. Um, Imagine not speaking, not saying anything for three Wouldn't months. Wouldn't you go insane? Well, he sort of did go. I mean, if you think, he he, feel, he thinks he's lost his wife and his daughter at sea. Um, and his mind. And his mind, yeah, quite. Thank you so much, Amelia, for being with Thank us this you. week. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Well, there, I mean, Amelia is Pericles. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Um, meeting Marina again. <laughs> so you, you, you performed this play with The Factory. Yeah. You've been a sort of a core member of the factory for, well, for years. started, really, yeah. Tell, tell me about that. So um, it started in, oh, law, uh, 2006 or seven. Mm. It started as a place where actors could go and work when they're not in work. So we'd do weekly workshops working on verse with Tim Carroll, who at the time was the associate director at The Globe with Mark Rylance. Yes. And he was very fierce on us all every week, and it felt like a really good discipline training every week that morphed into our first production of Hamlet and the idea of it was that everything about it was improvised apart from the text the text was the one thing that was really disciplined um the verse so that was our stronghold really and then you could play with everything else um how you did it and and how the scenes you know came across and all the rest of it. Um, and I'm right in thinking that you sort of learn a few different parts and at the beginning of each show, the audience would play paper, scissors, stone to decide which part, right. which actor played what yeah. part. Yeah, it was, it was deeply nerve-wracking. Um, 
I uh, played Hamlet for a while and the, the levels of adrenaline that, that pump through, you know, these, uh, these audience blithely playing paper, scissors, stone. And, you know, you're sort of setting yourself up to play Hamlet. And, and then if you don't win the draw, you're sort of, oh, your adrenaline <laughs> sort of has to go somewhere. You've got to play Barnardo. Probably. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the dawn. I used to play Bernardo and the dawn rising. Um, oh, really? Yeah. A, a lesser known character in, a lesser in the known Hamlet, character in Hamlet. Denmark, <laughs> the Dawn. Many great actors of our time have played the Dawn in Hamlet. Yes. So, yes. um, tell me your impression. You, you performed Pericles at uh, a very sweet theatre called the Willow Globe in middle of Wales. Yeah, it was a one-off event um, in Powys, and it's this beautiful sort of natural stage. Really, there's a lot of willow trees that sort of cave in on each other, and in the middle of it is a little wooden stage that they built. It's quite well known in Powys, and everybody right. came along. And uh, one of the highlights of Powys. Yeah. And I went. I, I, I actually came. I was very late. I saw the very end of it. And you right. played Marina in it. That's right. Like we said earlier, she doesn't come in till till quite late. Yeah. Um, but she's very feisty. She's really feisty. She's an incredibly strong character. I find it really amazing, given where how women were seen around Shakespeare's time, that he wrote these women that were so. Strong and really had a had some authority about them, even in the most dire situations. You know, like she's saved from uh, being killed by pirates, taken to Mytilene, um, and sold to a brothel. And she manages to escape the whorehouse with her honor intact. And it's quite extraordinary the the way you know she puts up a fight and the arguments yes. she actually has. Um, really logical, just you know, tactical arguments she has with the. People. Absolutely, and she mm. she she betters the men she's she's she comes arguing up yeah. with her with her with her wit. We'll hear a, a bit of that later. Um, mm. So she was born at sea, wasn't she? Um, she yeah, was then right. left with with Creon and, and Dionysa yeah. to grow up. She hasn't seen her any either of her parents no. ever. And then there's suddenly she meets her dad and then her mum. Yeah, I mean, what? it's quite a hard scene to play. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Pericles realizes that she's. They sort of do. They realize at the same time. What? What? What's? He realizes just before her, and he's busy, you know, telling, calling forth all of his counselors and stuff, saying, "This is Marina," and she has this wonderful line. She just says, First sir, I pray, what is your title?" You know, there's yeah. all this hoo-ha going on. She's like, "Can you? Can you just tell me what your name is?" Yeah. Because I don't know who you are. You seem to be getting obviously very excited about me. Yeah. She is a, a modern woman in many senses of the word. She is kidnapped by pirates, as you said. She's taken to Mytilene. She's sold to a brothel. Yeah. Um, you know, it's human trafficking. It's essentially Marina's being trafficked. Yes. And then she absolutely refuses to, to be taken advantage of, and she, she uses her strength. Yeah. Um, she is in many ways a, a, a feminist character. She uses her learning and her sort of intelligence to argue her way out of it. I mean, obviously in life this is not as easy as that yeah um but the objectification of women i mean that that is a, a an issue which right now at this moment um is is all over the place i mean it, it's it's been all over the place for a long time it, it's you know there's the whole kim kardashian um you know i don't want people to reach out to me there's the kira knightley has just come out saying yeah. this is my real body i'm yeah. a real woman however many 400 odd years ago shakespeare wrote about a woman who didn't want to be objectified who wanted to be a teacher you know she marina yeah. goes, becomes a teacher she, yeah. she says don't whore me let me teach you yeah stuff yeah uh, <laughs> you know we're still 
are having the same discussions. We're still having the same arguments. Yeah, although now it's not it's not all right. You know? It's interesting playing it because they've been written as quite comic scenes. The character Bored, who runs the whorehouse, and Bolt, his sort of number one man, and they're looking for more women um, to fill their whorehouse because they're not doing very good business. And it's almost written as a, as, a, as a funny scene, and then and then Marina gets dragged in, and um, they're sort of assessing her, literally, as you say, you know, saying, "But what do you think of her clothes? Her figure's all right, isn't it? Would you think we could sell this? Do you think we could sell that?" And um, yeah. and actually, when you're in that scene now, being looked objectively at like that in that scene, it's terrifying yeah. and so unnerving and it's not all right anymore and that's the big change really but what was staggering about Shakespeare's play is that it wasn't okay that for him it was not okay no and I suppose that's why you know he quite often does that doesn't he 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 makes highlighted it back then by satirizing it by putting one of his main protagonists as the person who's being trafficked I mean yeah yeah that was that's a hugely modern move really a lot of a lot of Shakespeare's plays deal with sort of themes of power People fighting for power, people wanting power, people desiring wealth. Bored and Bolt and Pandar, they want Marina to make them money. Mm. Um, Pericles himself, I mean, he 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 leaves his daughter in with with Creon and Dionysus to go back to Tyre to become king of Tyre. Yeah, that's a weird choice, right? Isn't it to yeah. say I want to claim my kingship so strongly that I'm going back to? I mean, even a, a, such a rambly play as Pericles, these characters are driven by desire for wealth and power and money and honor um as well and well marina especially i suppose is, is driven yeah. for a desire for honor yeah <laughs> i don't know everybody recognizes that drive for power and, and money to get ahead of the game weighing up how important that is with with life and morals and honor well i suppose not honor but the honorable thing yeah so we are going to hear another scene from Pericles. Um, this is a scene where Marina does um, outmanoeuvre uh, Lysimachus and persuades him not to, uh, to, to take her to bed. Now, pretty one, how long have you been at this trade? What trade, sir? Well, I cannot name it, but I shall offend. I cannot be offended by my trade. Please you to name it. How long have you been of this profession? Uh, since I can remember. Did you go to it so young? Were you a gamester at five or at seven? Earlier too, sir, if now I be one. Why, the house you dwell in proclaims you to be a creature of sale. Uh, do you know this place to be a house of such resort and will come into it? I hear say you are of honourable parts and are the governor of this place. Why? Hath your principal made known unto you who I am? Who is my principal? Why, your herb woman. She that sets seeds and roots of shame and iniquity. Oh, you have heard something of my power, and so stand aloof for more serious wooing. But I protest to thee, pretty one, my authority shall not see thee, or else look friendly on thee. Come, bring me to some private place. Come, come! No! If you were born to honour, show it now! If put upon you, make the judgment good that thought you worthy of it! How's this? How's this? Some more be saved. For me, that am a maid, though most ungentle fortune hath placed me in this sty, where since I came, diseases have been sold dearer than physic. Oh, that the gods would set me free from this unhallowed place, though they did change me to the meanest bird that flies in the purer air. I did not think thou couldst have spoke so well 
ne'er dreamed thou couldst. Had I brought hither a corrupted mind, thy speech had altered it. Hold, here's gold for thee. Persever in that clear way thou goest, and the gods strengthen thee. The good gods preserve you. For me, be thoughten that I came with no ill intent, for to me the very doors and windows savour vilely. Fare thee well. Thou art a piece of virtue, and I doubt not but thy training hath been noble. Hold, here's more gold for thee. A curse upon him. Die he like a thief that robs thee of thy goodness. If thou dost hear from me, it shall be for thy good. Well, Aunt Marina, um, well on her way to becoming a free woman, um, mm-hmm. as, as her destiny proclaims it. Uh, Marianne, that's all we have time for today. Thanks so much for coming on the oh, show. Thank you very much. And just leaves me to give the answer to last week's teaser, which was the following. In love, the heavens themselves do guide the state. Money buys lands, and wives are sold by fate. Marianne, any idea where that is from in Shakespeare's canon? Hmm. Um... No, I have no idea. No, what's no. Like. it's quite a, it's quite another quite strange play. It's Mistress Ford from The Merry Wives of Windsor. Oh. So uh, the this week's teaser is the following: Upon my life, by some device or other, the villain is o'erwrought of all my money. 